I believe that excellence is making a positive impact in the world and doing, you know, being one of the best at it. And so, you know, like whether or not people know that you are good at it or not, you know, at the time, Mother Teresa, when she first started, you know, she, people didn't know that she was the best at helping people and making an impact. But over time, people started to find out. So that's my definition, making a positive impact in the world and being one of the best at it. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Got a great show for you today. One of my favorite people I've ever worked with. We've got Fong Vo on the show. You can find him at Fong Vo Media. You can find the Fong Vo Show, which is another podcast. Today, the recording day, is his second day jobless as an entrepreneur. He's made his own job. He's going to talk about going from a normal life to prosperity and a purposeful life. He's going to talk about how he found his tribe, and he's going to talk about what it was like to quit his job and go out on his own. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Fong Vo, welcome to the show. Coming out of the snowy, rainy, wet hills of Sacramento during this crazy year of rain. Um, and today, or was it yesterday, is a big day for Fong. Fong has left his job and become full-time at his own company. So he started his own company kind of side-by-side with a job. And was it yesterday or today? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yesterday, he resigned at the other company, and he is now a full-time entrepreneur, CEO of Fongvo Media, which is a social media marketing company, and also host of a podcast, which I was just on, The Fongvo Show. So you can find Fong at The Fongvo Show. You can go look up Fongvo Media, but he is off and running as an entrepreneur. Welcome to the world of entrepreneur, and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Hey, Matt. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Happy to have you here. It's been a long time. I've seen you so many times in so many different places over so many years. But we had a little gap there, Fong. We had a little gap. So I'm glad I'm getting my Fong time back. We always we always had good times together, didn't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. Every time... I, you know, I was kind of actually nervous, you know, because every time I um, I admire you a lot. And I remember the impact you made on in my life when I was in college work. So I was kind of nervous, but also excited at the same time to be here with you. Well, I admire you a lot, too. Thank you so much for that. We're going to start off the way we always start off, Fong. And I can't wait to hear this, especially after our podcast that we just had. One episode of the Fong Vo podcast. Um, what is your definition of excellence? Yeah, so personally for me, I believe that excellence is making a positive impact in the world and doing, you know, being one of the best at it. And so, you know, like whether or not people know that you are good at it or not, you know, at the time, Mother Teresa, when she first started, you know, she, people didn't know that she was the best at helping people and making an impact. But over time, people started to find out. So that's my definition, making a positive impact in the world and being one of the best at it. 
Yeah, a lot of the great artists, musicians, spiritual leaders, in their lifetime, it wasn't realized um, their genius. So positive impact in the world and one of the best. So it's great to have a positive impact in the world. It's great to be one of the best at something, but you're achieving excellence when you're making a positive impact and you're really, really good at it. I like that. I like that. So you, at the ripe old age of 27, a newly minted entrepreneur and now a full-time employee of your own company, have had not the longest life, but we're going to go back a little bit. And I want to hear just kind of how you got where you got. And then we're going to talk about what you do on a daily basis and what is a social media marketing company and how did you start your own business and all that good stuff that got you into Sacramento, married with two kids at 27 years old, got a six-month-old, a two-year-old, probably not sleeping that much. Have a great weekend, though. <laughs> great weekends of standing in a the park. There's, you're talking about simplicity on your podcast. Such a simple life, standing in the park, playing with the toys. What a wonderful world you've got uh, in work and outside of work, but you got there somehow. So let's go way back, way back to high school. What was that like uh, 12 years ago? Uh, what was what was <laughs> life like? How did you see yourself? What were you doing in high school? Yeah, so pretty normal, actually. I was a normal kid. You know, if you had to, if you ask someone like, hey, what do you think of falling? It's like, oh, yeah, he's cool. You know, just like that normal dude. And in school, I was... Uh, I was really bad at math. I was bad at science, you know, despite me being Asian, that stereotype. No, I'm, I'm terrible at that stuff. I'm better at the, uh, I enjoyed the arts, you know, like English, speech and debate, history, especially history. So, um, those were the subjects I excelled in. On my free time, I was playing any sports or anything, although I felt like I had this built in energy that I could have, but I took, I channeled that energy to something worse, which is computer games. So I played a lot of computer games. Sometimes I think back to myself, like I'm, I played strategy, right? So like strategy games, one of the games, uh, you, like you level up. So like I was, and they had this marketplace. So I would go in the marketplace, I would buy stuff for super cheap and then resell it, you know, and I accumulated wealth in that game and I hit the max amount of money that you could make in that game. So I started another account to do the exact same thing. So, you know, like, um, I was an entrepreneur in a game, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, well, and that's the way the that's the way of the world now. You have right. these AI simulations and uh, alternate universe simulations where you can try things out. And you know, I, I don't have anything against computer games. We were just talking about uh, Lisa and Alex Bethal and, and the Sacramento Kings. They have a professional video game team that's housed in that stadium, right behind all the computer drivers that you can see when you walk into that wonderful stadium. If you go in a certain way, you can see that through this glass wall and all the servers. Behind that glass walls where the security cameras is, and that's crazy to see. Behind that, there's actually a room where they have a a team, a professional team of people playing video games. But you're not you weren't playing it for that. You were paying it to become a pro. You're expanding your mind through technology at that young age. Right, exactly. I tell myself that to feel better about myself. It's probably an addiction. Okay. So normal life, uh, my son, uh, his uh, cousin ratted him out for, for a few things, including playing too much, uh, too many video games, explains his lack of a tan. I think he's spending too much time playing video games. So maybe a little bit too much time playing video games, but maybe some good parts to it too. Focused on English and history, leading a normal life. And then where'd you go to college? Yeah, I went to Sacramento State. Sac State. And what mm -hmm. was life like there? Yeah, so first year I um, got a job. So, uh, you know, started to really learn the responsibility of that freshman year. 
And then college, uh, my sophomore year, that's when I, you know, I changed my life. So I bumped into something called College Works Painting. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it. And, uh, and it, I completely reinvented my life. You know, I, I felt like I leveled up. I became a better version of myself. I just developed a lot of skills, uh, hard sk- I mean, soft skills, you know, like sales, being able to work with people, empathy, you know, um, things like that. But also I developed character, just perseverance, um, being able to be the person that, you know, s- uh, integrity, right? Um, s- doing the things that you say you're going to do, just building my character through that. So, th- freshman year is normal and then sophomore year that's when i changed completely changed my life and i became a, a completely different person cool i loved that and i was there for that i was a witness to it and you were that uh i don't know normal uh i don't know what normal is especially by the time i meet people they're usually i mean maybe normal for the group of people that i see but you know compared to the normal people in the world maybe they're a little bit more driven a little bit more dedicated you know, that character of perseverance and integrity and work ethic and compassion, all that you said, building, I like that word building. You found an avenue to build and practice and build and practice and get better and better and better at it. I'm glad that I was there for that. A lot of people that listen to this are not in the Midwest. We only have college works in the Midwest now. There might be someone else. They might be in California. They might be in, in Europe. Um, they don't have access to the college work system. Um, so you found a way to really, really work hard. You found a, something that was really pushing you and challenging you and you wanted to quit a few times and maybe woke up crying a couple of times like I did. What would you tell people that were in college in, you know, in California now, where would you tell them to go find these soft skills and what were the kind of the building blocks of the college works program that really affected you and changed your life that, that could be mimicked outside of college work? Yeah. So the biggest thing for me is, especially for me, is I learn a lot through doing. And so making mistakes, you know, um, doing it things a certain way or different ways after you learn from your mistakes. So that's what I really enjoyed about college works is the, you know, the tangible and the, um, kinesthetic learning, you know, me being able to do it. So what I would encourage someone that might not be able to have access to college works is to find another internship or just a role where you can learn through doing instead of instead of just learning through a book like you would in college you know so and and there's certain levels of doing you know just just cuz you're doing like let's say getting coffee for someone being that intern is not going to teach you much you know but learning something that is useful for for school i mean i'm, I'm sorry for your future career or a skill that's going to level you up so that's what I would encourage someone to do. Yeah. Um, so getting getting any random internship isn't going to get done the perseverance or isn't going to get done the hard work. Um, so you're talking about an ability to make mistakes. You're talking about what you actually do in the job. You may want two of them. So my son, he has to take summer school because he, you know, you've got to select classes that hit both of your majors and a GE if you have two majors. And if you don't, you find out. You have enough units, but not for your major. So he's got to take a couple summer school classes. And I was talking about an internship, and he's like, I can't do that. I got, you don't understand. I got 13 units. I want to have time. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand, dude. You need to work 80 hours this summer. It's your last summer before you go to school. So, yeah, you got 30 of it at work at, at, at your summer school. Pick up another 50 in an internship. 
If you've got a, just a cush internship where you're working 23 hours a week, ain't going to cut it. Get another one. Get two internships. Get a job and an internship. Go to summer school and have an internship because there's nothing that replaces hard work. And I, what I find with, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time with high school kids. You got to work three years. First job, you work 10 hours a week, probably get fired. Second job, uh, and by the way, you know, it might be at a restaurant. You get these great interpersonal skills. Might be digging ditches. You get great belief in the value of hard work. Um, those those first jobs, and I got fired from all, all many of my, many of my first jobs. My son got fired from his jobs. Um, you learn from that, and then you get a second job, and maybe your second job's a little bit harder, not easier, harder with a little more hours. But it's usually the third job before you can really start working forty hours a week. And you know, by getting fired, both my son and I. We learned. We learned about him. I'm standing around. And they fire me. I'm like, why did you tell me what to do? Oh, I learned. Better not wait for them to tell you what to do or you're going to get fired. You learn to calm yourself in certain situations. As a waiter, I learned to always have a smile on my face. So learn by doing, which might take you looking for a couple internships. And there's also the amount of time you spend looking for a job. You don't take the first one that drops in your lap. Maybe that's the best one, but at least put the time in. Show yourself enough respect to see what else is out there. So learn by doing. Ability to make mistakes. Um, you didn't mention systemic growth and training. You know, we had a system in there. Um, so you, so you're actually got a way to learn. And then you said what you do, which you can talk to them about what a day in the life is, what a week in the life is, what the job description is. But you found College Works, and then you're a sophomore at uh, Sac State. When you were a manager, and then you stayed for how many years? I forget. Yeah, I stayed for three years. So sophomore, junior, senior. Um... First year, I was a manager. Second year, district manager. Second or third year, district manager again. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So you had the full Monty. Oh yeah, yeah. I was all about college works after I graduated. I was like, actually, at one point, and um, my uh, the VP was Derek Jorgensen. So, yeah. and uh, should I, we do a shout out? How about this? Shout out to Derek. Derek Jorgensen, Derek <laughs> Ramos. Shout out to you both. And if you're listening right now, you text me. And I will take you to Bar One, the greatest Italian restaurant in Orange County, right now for lunch and <laughs> dinner. So you, we're going to text those two guys. Yeah, so you're with Derek, one of the greatest people of all time, yes? Yeah, so I remember at one point I came up to him. I was like, Derek, you know, like college works. I'm all about college works. I'm, I'm learning so much. Like school is useless. You oh, think I, I should drop out of school? I seem to remember this, yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you think I should drop out and just you know, just focus on this. And he was like, no, 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 just figure out how you can manage both, you know? So yeah, yeah I, I went through the whole thing and I, um, I, I really feel that way. Like I, if I think back to my college days, the biggest learning, I was, I, I'm just glad I went to college to find college works. You know, that's, that's the only reason why I'm grateful for college. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and you found your tribe there. So if I was going to look back, and, and I don't even remember how many years ago. It must have been six years ago, five years ago, four years ago. How long was it? 2017 was my last year. So, so. five years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I remember, you know, I'd come up to Northern California. We'd go to Mexico, Vegas, these different places together. And you, I, I keep coming back to what you said. You had a normal life. If people ask you, like, I like Fong. He's a cool guy. Um, so I think, you know, when I when I knew you, you weren't kind of this normal life. I like Fong. He's a cool guy. It was, hey, there's Fong. Let's go hang out with him. You kind of got, ele- what would you call it, ratcheted up a little bit? Right, leveled up. <laughs> leveled up. I think you uh, you kind of found your tribe almost. And 
And I think that's probably pretty important as you're looking through college or you're looking through internships or you're in your low 20s, finding that tribe that, you know, they were supporting you and you were supporting them. You were always doing stuff for others. They were always doing stuff for you. Um, you're motivating each other. You were pushing each other. You're kind of of like mind. So what's the importance of that? How are you finding your tribe these days? Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, surrounding yourself with people that motivate you, that help you become a better person. So funny enough, um, right when I started College Works, I literally, you know, cut down the, I, I completely quit cold turkey video games, like computer games, because I had a new channel I could exert all my energy into, right? Which was building this painting business. So I actually lost pretty much almost all my friends that were also playing video games, you know? And so because I wasn't playing anymore, I didn't spend time with them, right? And so um, I found a new tribe at College Works, you know, people like other interns, district managers that build relationships with them. And so they really helped me just kind of become the person that they know I can become. And so we always motivate each other, you know, through the tough times of College Works. You know, sometimes they might be crying or frustrated about something. They would call me and, and vice versa. So I think having a tribe is huge. Surrounding yourself with people that you want to become and can motivate you is huge. So was it accidental? Did you just stumble into the training one day and you went, oh my goodness, these are the people that are, these people are just like me. And then you stick around a little bit and you see the culture as this culture of lifting others. Was it accidental? Um, what, what advice do you have for someone in their 20s right now? Hopefully listening on 1.5 speed. I listen to this podcast on regular speed and hated every second of it. Crank it up to 1.5. My voice sounds horrible. Takes us too long to make our points. So they're listening now at 1.5 speed. What uh, what advice would you have for people to help them find their tribe? Yeah. So um, research. You know, go go on Google. Find you know like different groups, like whether it be a club, a group, um, on whether it be Facebook. You'll be able to find people that you want to become. Um, luckily for me, I just got lucky. You know, I just stumbled across. And it fell into my lap totally. I felt like it was the universe just gave me a gift, you know? And so, um, but like, you know, if things are not going for you like that, then I would go on Google, I would go on Facebook and find different groups that you can participate like that, whether it be business groups, if that's what you want to become, if you want um, like a personal development group, there's so many different groups on Facebook that you can find. And so, and so join those groups and, they probably have some sort of get together where you can go and meet them, meet the people there and see if, you know, they're your type of people that you want to associate yourself with. And the College Works tribe was interesting, you know, similar values. So if I was looking for a tribe, I'd be looking at values. So I, I've got my entrepreneur tribe. I've got my school tribe. I've got my old friends that are part of a tribe. I've got my work tribe. We all have the same values um, or similar values. Similar motivations were headed in the similar direction. The tribe falls apart. You know, everybody's out there moving and shaking right now. You get somebody that retires for some reason. They kind of are out of the tribe a little bit because they're not heading in the same direction. Still have the same values. So values, direction. You had a tribe at College Works and you, know, you, you, you see these Navy SEALs that stay tight together, people doing marathons together, people doing physical challenges, people that go to battle together. You know, they're tied forever together. So you had this similar challenge that you had to work through together. I wonder how much of that was tribe building. And then back to what I said in the beginning, you guys had a culture of this where 
you're just helping each other out all the time. So you're give, 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 and you have this service attitude, right? It might be easier to get a tribe if you have, well, first, I think that values for sure moving in the same direction, but that attitude of service, and you never did it. I, I know you pretty well. You never did anything for anybody hoping to get something back ever, ever, ever. I got lots of messages from you, lots of calls, lots of random thoughts. It was, it was always palmed down, never looking for something back, which is part of the tribe, right? Which is, I guess, part of the values. So you Google, you go try it out. You figure out what direction people are going in. You figure out, try to gauge what values they have. Maybe you have a similar struggle. Maybe there's a, a purpose for the organization. You're building houses for the homeless, whatever it is. But you found your tribe. And what did that do for you? It did a lot of things. Number one, I realized the importance of surrounding yourselves with the right people. You know, like that, that's something that was not in my mind when I was playing video games, you know, and playing computer games. When I went, when I did college works, I started to realize the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. So that's the first thing is being cognizant of that. And even to this day, you know, being cognizant of that, who, who am I spending my time with? Is it going to add value to my life? And is it going to make me become a better person? And can I also give back to them as well? Right. It's a mutual relationship. So that's number one. Number two is kind of for <laughs> like the competitive nature. So a lot of the people I surrounded myself with were very competitive. And so, you know, they were sharing, Oh, I just did this. I just did that. I just booked this. I just booked that. And then you're like, Oh man, I need to do more. You know, I got to go out there and hustle harder. So, um, it kind of motivated you to, to get off your ass and work harder. So that's another thing. Um, and then number three is just being able to realize that you're not in it alone. You know, like sometimes I feel like people isolate themselves. They we feel like we're the only person with that problem. But being able to share our problems with other people in that group and them sharing it back makes you feel like you have a support system and that you're not going through it alone because you can get you know lost by just focusing on yourself and, and feeling like you're the only person in the world going through that problem. Yeah, that, that's kind of the con common enemy. You get these bonds with military personnel fighting against a common enemy. You guys at College Works had a common en enemy of you know average or, or lack of success. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. So when you're looking for tribes, you're looking for mutual relationships. You're looking for this sibling rivalry competition where you're all fighting each other 
um, to be the best, but you're helping each other out. Um, the support system. You didn't mention this, but I was thinking about this while you were talking. You didn't have any narcissists. No one was in it for themselves. They were in it for everyone else. And I remember, you know, Derek, Derek Jorgensen, um, he made a lot of decisions that were kind of maybe not the best business decision sometime, but they were the best moral decision. And it ended up being the best business decision. And I remember you guys would, you know, trade things around, help people out, work with someone else's people. Just constantly everyone was lifting. And I, I keep coming back to the values. I think I think you you brought your values. You were kind of a symbol of some of those values, right? You were the symbol of generosity. You were the symbol of effort. You were the symbol of paying attention. You were the symbol of putting yourself out there. You would put yourself out there, bravery maybe. And so, you know, I keep coming back to values for that tribe. But you came to College Works. You found the tribe. You found some success, which maybe you didn't know you had brewing in you. And then you left, like happens once in a while. So you didn't go straight into... uh Fongvo Media, you didn't go straight into the Fongvo show. What what was your step between graduating from college and where you are at as of yesterday, being a full-fledged entrepreneur? What steps were you taking? What did you learn? And and what could that help how could that help the audience? Yeah. So right after college, I started look started to look for a job, right? And so I actually took a lot of the principles I learned from college works where I'm like, okay, how many jobs am I going to apply to? I applied to a hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just stop right there. Let's just stop right there. Uh, because how do you get a job? You make a job out of getting a job. Right. Exactly. How do you get a good job? You apply to 100. How long does it take? It takes months. So my goddaughter just went through it. It took six months. You start your senior year in October to hope you have a job by the summer after your senior year. So you applied to 100 jobs. I think I knew that too. Yeah. So I applied to a hundred and then out of a hundred X number responds back to you and sets an interview. Some people don't. So followed up with them with the phone call, right? Hey, did you get my application? What'd you think? You know, like that sort of thing. And so I did these, I think I did like between six to 10 different interviews. And so it really came down to two, uh, two choices. So one choice was making, you know, six figures at a corporate job, right? Corporate sales. And so I, that kind of attracted me because, oh, six figures, that sounds like a lot, right? The other choice was working at a startup accelerator where they pay you like a fraction of that, like a third, <laughs> you know, a quarter of that. But you learn the skills of what it takes to build a business from scratch, the startup world, right? And so I was debating both and I called the uh, corporate people up and I said, hey, you know, I appreciate you, you know, considering me, but um, I decided to take another opportunity. So I went through down the startup route. And so um worked at a startup accelerator for about a year. And um for people listening, if you don't know what a startup accelerator is, it's basically a company that helps other startups achieve a few years of growth within a few months. So we did that through sales teams, marketing teams, uh, venture capital investors who would invest hundreds and thousands of dollars into these companies. So I worked with about 10 different startup companies and learned so much from that. You know, being able to create a uh Go to market strategy, you know, um, implementing, you know, different sort of marketing campaigns, you know, uh, developing a sales script and close these deals for these startups, right? So learning a ton there. And then, um, about a year in, I bumped into a guy named Edwin, calls himself the chief happiness officer. And I was so inspired by his story. And, uh, and I decided to quit that, uh, startup accelerator and work at this new startup, Happy Neighborhood Project. So, um, 
worked there for about four years. And uh, two and a half of those years, we um, I helped take the company from being just in one market to uh, over 50 markets across um, six countries. So that was a really great learning experience as well. And so, um, and then yesterday, you know, I decided to go on my own. And um, I, I still was, you know, doing work. And I, I started Fongo Media about two year, a year and a half ago. So I was doing kind of like side work. It was like a side hustle, but now it's becoming my full hustle. All right. So you went to school, you found your tribe, you found your passion, you found some of your skills. You came out, you went into a startup accelerator, same thing. But I, I want to just get to your funnel. A hundred apps, got you 10 interviews, got you two jobs. So that's probably a good thing to think about. How, how am I going to get the best job ever? Put out a hundred apps, 150 apps, do 10 to 15 interviews, get two to three interviews. And then you got to stop and think long-term, short-term. What is this job going to do for you long-term? What's it going to do short-term? Because you're paid in two things. You're paid in experience, which is valuable and bankable and monetizable. And you're paid in money, which is monetizable, bankable, and valuable. So you weigh, you weigh the different things. You got all experience and no money. Maybe that's not going to work. No experience and lots of money. Maybe that works. Maybe that doesn't. But you found the happy median. And then you had what happens to a lot of people in consulting, which is basically what you were doing, is you get hired away. So you get hired away by the happy neighborhood company. And then what happens is if you perform well, other doors open. So all you got to do is try things out, perform well, try things out, perform well. And in your case, probably more confidence from the tribe, probably more belief in yourself. You start the side gig, test it out, gaining confidence, gaining belief to where you can pull the trigger and step out and focus full time on Fongvo Media. So tell us about Fongvo Media. What do you do? What type of customers do you have? And and what's your day-to-day life like? Yeah, so I help businesses grow their brand using social media. And so... um the types of companies I mainly work with are B2B companies, uh, business to business companies. Um, we leverage LinkedIn a lot. Um, and we create content for them because in this day and age, you know, you think about where is, where are your customers' attention? You know, the people are spending two and, a, uh, two and a half hours a day on social media. So that's where their attention's at. So we want to be is that the average. It's, it's the average mm-hmm. of all age groups. Uh, yeah, it's across the board in the US. So you have 60 and above that spend zero hours a day and you've got 16 to 21 that spend six hours a day. Although many of them, all the 60s, they're on Facebook now. You know, they're scrolling Facebook, checking in with their families. So I think overall it's increasing. Wow. Okay. Okay. So people are people are on social media for two and a half hours a day. They're a captive audience. They actually read the ads. They actually see the ads. They're not TiVoing their social media. They're not fast forwarding their social media. Um, and so you're helping them create content that's going to create a fan base that drives in and wants to check out their product or service. Yeah, we built their brand, you know, instead of, um, and I, I understand the value of sales, you know, companies need to focus on sales, but, you know, what if you can also get people to come to you? And so that's what branding is, you know, like Nike is not cold calling, you know, companies to buy their shoes. They built this brand where people are hitting them up to buy their shoes, right? So, that's what we're doing, building a brand that people want to go to. And so my day-to-day, you know, I create content. We um, figure out a content strategy for these businesses, what they're comfortable with. And then we start implementing that through video editing, graphic design, written posts. We schedule those posts and then, and then it goes out. And then we also engage with, find their potential clients and engage with them. 
uh, using AI technology. So that's that's my uh, so day to day. So day to day, you're creating content, you're uh, curating content. So you've got the analysts working, um, the hard work working, the intelligence, the tie into your tribe and what your tribe wants, your understanding and ability to read people, your EQ, all that stuff that you were talking about that you developed in college. You're still focusing on a positive impact in the world and being one of the best at it. So then you have to move into the product manufacturing and your product involves video editing, graphics, making a great product. And then you're engaging the people you're selling to. Now, are you your, are you a one-man shop right now? Do you have any employees yet? So I have a team. They're 1099. Um, but I have a team of a handful of people that help me with the video editing, help me with this, you know, scheduling posts, help me with um, kind of like the work, the delivery. And so, so that way I can focus on the business development and also, um, the, you know, building relationship with these partners. Because one of my... Um, you know, visions for this company is to be in business forever. So I'm never going to sell this business. And so I want this business to live on past me. And the reason why that is, is because I vowed that by 2026, we're going to be launching a nonprofit accelerator where we'll take a portion of our profits, build this nonprofit accelerator. And so bring awareness to these nonprofits, right? Because you know, these nonprofits, they have a great idea, but what if we can generate more donations, where we can generate more volunteers, right, for these nonprofits so that way they can grow. And inherently we're impacting people through that. And so if I can create a business that will last forever, it will be able to impact people positively forever as well. So that's kind of like my vision for this uh for this company. So so in addition to your daily life of content strategy, content creation, consulting, product management, and engaging clients, you have a management role a leadership role, a delegation and a delegation management role um, to make sure products you know, up to your standard. And then you've got this constant driving vision that you're promoting, whether they're 1099 W2 employees, volunteers, whatever it is, this vision, which is tied to your values and tied to your tribe, which is probably bringing the right people on board to help you out, probably bringing the right clients on board. People are excited about that. So they want to be a customer to help with that. And you can leverage all your experience of your long 27 years, which probably you're more like a 40-year-old based on experience, um, of, of this uh, short but impactful life to help others. And that's, that's fantastic. And so um, have, you, have you started, have you done any pro bono work yet? Not yet. So I plan on launching that in 2026. So right now is building the foundation, you know, building the foundation because if we can't survive, you know, then, then we can't help anybody. Yeah, so I want to build this up to um, to have a strong foundation, and then um, my next business—I didn't tell you about this—is uh, so my master plan is to create. Uh, so while I was, let me back up. While I was at that startup accelerator, I st- I started to realize something. If you want to quickly grow a company, you need three things. So you need marketing to bring awareness to your business. You need cash, and then you also need leadership. And so I plan on building a company for each one of those things. So first, I'm building a marketing company. Then I'm building a, I'm going to be building a investment company, like some sort of venture capital investment company. And then number three is I'm going to build a leadership company. And so if I decide to, let's say, jump into a nonprofit work and help grow a nonprofit, I can inject those three different companies into it and grow it really quickly. If I decide to, you know, start a nail salon, I can inject those three companies into that business to, to grow it quickly. 
So um, that's sort of my like vision, you know, first starting with this marketing, building the foundation. And then, you know, once I start going to pro bono work, I'll have all the other foundations there too. How much of your excellence, positive impact on the world, and one of the things that you're really awesome at, how much of that is setting goals and um, planning ahead? Because you got your 2027 plan, your 2026 plan, your three different businesses plan. How much time do you spend kind of laying out a life plan and tracking to a life plan? Yeah, so I I do that every week. Um, You know, one thing I... uh made a goal for myself is to plan more uh, this year. And so, you know, one of the books I uh, read in college was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which was recommended by CollegeWorks. At that time, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't ready to receive it, if that makes sense. You know, I was still, I was immature, you know, at that age. And now that I have kids, a wife, I got to manage, you know, different priorities, different roles. I decided to read that book again, and it hit a lot differently this time around. And so I'm implementing a lot of those things is to, you know, build a life of values and principles, um, what matters to me, and then also planning along with that. Now, it's still a work in progress. You know, I can get a lot better at it. Um, but I spend about a week, you know, every week um, planning out, you know, sort of my future and my short-term goals. Goal setting, life planning tracking it weekly. Yeah, I read that book a long time ago. You're kind of spurring me to read it again since I had my bike crash. I've been reading a lot more. Um, I didn't remember. I, I forgot about the life of values and principles. So for those of you who haven't read the book, Stephen Covey interviewed lots of successful people and found they had seven common um, habits. One of them was uh, working in time management to do things that are important and not yet urgent. One of them was leading a life of value and principles. And I believe he talked about defining what your values are and what your principles are. And I got to go look back and see what the other six were. But it's one of the, you know, one of the guru books, one of the big business books. You got Carnegie, um, you got Collins, you got Maxwell, and you've got uh, Stephen Covey. um, And many, many books since then. I think he wrote it 30 years ago or so. He's from Utah, I know that. A lot of books since then are building on some of the things that he talked about after doing his interviews. So you're you're spending a little bit of time every week thinking about the bigger picture, thinking about the life plan, thinking about where you're going, and you're doing it for yourself, for your family, as well as for your business. Yeah, exactly. And you know, my personality type, I actually look at that disc type um, back in what my intern year, you you sent me a disc test to take. And I looked at that for the first time since then. I'm like, wow, this is me. <laughs> Um, but one of my, I have a tendency to be long-term focus, you know, I'm like vision, you know, like look at the vision, like I think a lot about the future. And so like, I got to balance that out with like planning and getting to that vision, you know, making that vision a reality. Yeah. But you know that because of experience and wisdom and you know that from trial and error and everybody's got their thing. I, I tell you, I'd love to be the type of person that was constantly 10 years ahead and having to worry about what I'm doing now, as opposed to the person that's worrying about what they're doing now, not worried about 10 years from now. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're in a better place. So are you surprised by where you're at in life compared to your normal high school life? Um, bad at math and science, good at uh, English and history is where you're at now. Surprising. Uh, yes and no. So 
knowing the fact that I always felt in my heart that I was meant to do something great, you know, that I would be on the path to greatness. And I feel like I'm not even like near there yet. You know, I, I have a long way to go. So no in that sense, but yes, in the sense that like, at that time, I wanted to, you know, I always wanted to help people and make an impact, positive impact in the world. So I thought that would be through being a detective because my mom and I would watch a lot of detective shows, you know, crime shows. So I'm like, man, if I could be a detective, I could impact people. And then I took a few classes and I was like, you know, it's probably not right for me. You know, like a lot of the people that they're putting in jail are the people I'm trying to help. I want to, you know, that we need to work with and really um, help. And so I um, changed my uh, major to social work. And so I started doing social work, you know, volunteering. I'm like, hmm, what if I don't agree with some of the laws that are in place? I can't do anything about it. I have to enforce it, right? And so that's when college works came. And I'm like, wait, I could build my own business. I have, I can build in the way that I believe in, you know, and I can make an impact the way I, w- I want to. So I have control, uh, complete freedom to do that. And then also money rules the world. You know, um, if you use money as a way to, you know, you can use it for good as a utility for good, then that has a huge, huge impact. Money, money controls a lot of things. So that's what, that's how I decided to, you know, get into business. But yeah, I always thought I was going to be a detective or, so, or a, social, a social worker, you know, and, and it changed over time. So yes, in, in that sense. Of what I'm doing, I think so. You you left in 2017, so it would have been 2014 or so. I think you told me you wanted to be a social worker back then. I yeah. think we had a conversation, mm-hmm. and you wanted to be a social worker. And you know, I'm all about that. I love that. And it's a certain type of person that should go into that. You need to be a supporter. Back to the disc test. Um, you need to be hardworking. You need to have a, a pretty. I, I couldn't be a social worker because I couldn't handle it emotionally. You need to be really able to. Um, separate yourself. Uh, and I remember you wanted to do that and you changed and kind of reinvented, but you're sort of doing the same thing. You're a business social worker. Mm. You're helping the business get over whatever challenges you're helping the business express itself. You're helping the business solve some problems. Interesting. And, you know, looking back at, you know, these, these years, I know it was a sacrifice in Sacramento to step away from, you know, going to the lake and going up into the mountains and all the ski weekends and um, all the trips to San Francisco. Worked for three years in school. So you, you made that sacrifice. Looking back, what what's a sacrifice that you made in your early life that, you know, maybe someone listening to the show right now is facing in their early 20s or late teens that you look back and you think, God, I cannot believe I ever questioned myself on this. That's the best sacrifice I ever made. Yeah. So biggest sacrifice would be the computer games, you know, like what, playing and, you know, at one point I was playing like six to eight hours a day. Like it was insane. Right. So, um, being able to make that sacrifice of doing that, that sort of addiction for so long and then it not bringing me any value and then putting my time, exerting my energy and becoming a better version of myself through you know, doing college works. That was probably a big sacrifice for me. The weekends, you know, the weekends instead of like sleeping in or, you know, doing doing things that are unproductive um using that time to go on out knocking on doors and generating leads and you know so th- that would probably be the biggest sacrifice the addiction i had to computer games and then also the weekends you know and That's the, a, the it's free time interesting int- I, I don't know i've heard i think you're probably in my 110th episode I, I don't think anybody's ever talked about a negative thing that they cut out but it was scary at the time right 
It was your identity, your friend circle. I don't know if you if you had aspirations of doing it professionally. Nowadays, maybe people do, but if you don't, it's a little bit of a different story. And so you sacrificed what you thought was your life and you thought was your future and you thought was really, really fun to take a chance and you found better. Wow, that's a cool – it's like – the leap of faith. God, that's just an interesting way to think about it as a sacrifice. Wow. Well, Fong, um, I appreciate you taking time. I, I just want to re- mention again, Fong's got the Fong Vo Show, and you can find that anywhere you get your podcast. He, if you're in business and you're doing business to business, we got Fong Vo Media, which is a couple years of success, uh, helping people capture audience and clients and people to build their company with and customers to share their services and and products with. So if you're looking for a possible job, you're looking for someone to help you out, Fongvo Media, you can Google that straight out of Sacramento. Fongvo, it's been a long time. It's always refreshing. I'm so glad you found your tribe here. And wow, what a difference you made in our tribe while you were here. You made us less narcissistic. You made us more positive. You made us more fun for sure. And old Derek and Jarek Jorgensen better be listening to this show and taking me up on my uh, wonderful offer to take them to lunch and not drink because I can't drink anymore because of the damn doctor. Uh, Fong Vo, thank you so much for coming on the uh, the Edge of Excellence and I hope you have a great weekend. Yes, you too, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.